What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Moving on to the dismissal and the Defense for Children International Palestine versus Biden case, we're joined by Maria LaHood, a lawyer with the Center for Constitutional Rights, who worked on this lawsuit. Good morning, Maria. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Can you please let us know what took place on January 26th and what um, the dismissal by the courts means? So on the 26th, we had a hearing in Oakland on our case brought on behalf of uh, eight individual Palestinians and two Palestinian human rights organizations. And the case alleges that the United States defendants Biden, Blinken, and Austin are aiding and abetting Israel's genocide and failing to prevent it. So the court had heard argument on the government's motion to dismiss the case and on our preliminary injunction motion to get the court to urgently order defendants to stop supporting Israel's genocide. And we had argument on on those motions as well as we had testimony from seven of our clients um, which was extremely powerful. It's actually available online. So I encourage your listeners to, to listen to it. You can find it on our website, ccrjustice.org. So we had one of our clients testified from Gaza. Dr. Omar Al-Najjar is a, is, works in a hospital day and night. And he was actually standing in the hallway in the hospital outside the administration office just so he could get Wi-Fi to testify to the court. Um, And then we had our two organizational clients and we had our four clients in the US talk about how painful it is to have hundreds of their relatives killed by Israel with US support, with bombs from the United States, with the United States defendants continuing to dehumanize Palestinians. So we also had testimony from our expert, um, Dr. Barry Trachtenberg, who's an expert on Jewish studies and Holocaust studies and genocide studies who gave testimony about how we're in such a unique situation right now, watching Israel's genocide unfold, where we can actually do something to stop it, which is why why scholars study genocide in order to prevent it, why we have the Genocide Convention, which the United States ratified, which obligates the United States to prevent genocides as they're unfolding. And then, Last Wednesday, um, the court issued his decision. And, you know, he, first of all, found that based on the testimony at the hearing and Israeli officials' statements, that it's been demonstrated that Israel's ongoing military siege in Gaza is intended to eradicate a whole people. And so it's plausibly a genocide. The court also found or, or implored the defendants here to examine the results of their unflagging support for Israel's military siege. The court also said it's every individual's obligation to confront the current siege in Gaza. But unfortunately, he didn't. He found he didn't have jurisdiction over the case because of something called the political question doctrine, which, you know, comes from the constitutional separation of powers of the three branches of our government. Basically, executive power is the president's, legislative power belongs to Congress, 
and judicial power is vested in the courts. So those are all supposed to be checks on each other. But the court found that whether to provide military or financial support to Israel is a political question that he can't decide. But we're not asking him to decide if it's good policy. We're asking him to decide if it's aiding and abetting genocide. And that's clearly within the court's purview to decide. In fact, he basically said that's what's happening. He just wouldn't hold the executive accountable for it. Thank you for that summary. Um, I, I'm trying to balance it. I know other folks are, right? The fact that the court said, I don't have jurisdiction, the case is dismissed, but also used fairly strong language for a United States court um, in going as far as, I guess, the judge deemed that they could go in terms of calling this a genocide. What... I guess, legal leverage does this give you all, um, Palestinians, Palestinian orgs, moving forward with, with, with the next step to take legal steps to end the genocide? Well, I would, you know, a few things. First of all, this isn't the end of this case. You know, we have, we, we can and will be appealing it to the Ninth Circuit. Um, but we also have this strong, strong, strong language from the court, in addition to the strong, strong language we have from the Inter International Court of Justice, you know, the World Court, just hours before we had our hearing, found also that Israel's plausibly committing genocide and that it needs to stop its genocidal acts and that it needs to ensure humanitarian assistance is available to Gaza. And the United States is a party to the Genocide Convention. So it has a binding legal obligation to not be complicit, and as I said, to, to prevent Israel's genocide. So I think people can use these decisions to, again, call on their representative, call on the executive and say, stop aiding and abetting genocide. It's your obligation to prevent it, not to keep sending 2,000 pound bunker busters, not to keep sending ammunition and to keep sending funds and to keep saying there are no red lines and Israel can do whatever it wants when Israel is murdering and maiming and starving children with U.S. support, with our tax dollars. So I think we're all, as the judge said, it's all of our obligation to confront the siege in Gaza and to demand that our officials stop supporting it and make it stop, which they could do. And I think we can do that not just by direct calls, but we can, you know, protest in the streets, we can write letters, we can engage in boycott, divestment and sanctions, we can not only put pressure on, you know, our, our officials, but also the weapons manufacturers and companies that are sending these weapons to kill children. Um, I think it's also important for people to know not only that these courts have found that it's plausibly genocide um, and that, you know, that complicity is illegal, but also a reminder that it's not just a violation of those laws as well as morally re reprehensible. It's also a federal crime to be complicit in genocide with no statute of limitations. So I think, you know, the public can use all of this to go put pressure on our elected representatives and others to make it stop. 
Maria LaHood, for folks that want to follow next steps of the Center for Constitutional Rights, where should they go to get more info? So you can get more information on our website at ccrjustice.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, on, or X, sorry. We're at, at the CCR. <laughs> and then on Instagram, we're at CCR Justice. <laughs> Sorry, X the hellscape. <laughs> Maria LaHood, oh, yeah. from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for your work. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Yes. Thanks for having me. See you in the streets. Maria okay. LaHood is a lawyer with the Center for Constitutional Rights who worked on the Defense for Children International Palestine versus Biden court case. Maria has championed this work for decades, having been involved in the Rachel Corey legal case in the mid-2000s. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>